Come on kids, now gather round Grab a log and sit right down What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground It's the campfire shit show And now, your camp counselors Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo Meryl! Yo, yo! Hey! Wow, what a fun show we have coming up. Yes, we're uh, up here in the Glendale room again, and we're very excited to be going into our sleeping bag today with a guest. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like the queen of podcasting. Queen. I'm not even saying queen. She's just like the uh, the diplomat, the emperor. <laughs> Empress? Any fancy name. The empress of storytelling, story sharing. It's Christine Blackburn. Yes. She is the host and creator and founder and everything of StoryWorthy. She also has a monthly show here in L.A. called Story Smash that has quite the reputation that she'll tell us about. And I just wanted to say she's been podcasting for over 12 years and StoryWorthy now has over 700 episodes. That's amazing. Of people sharing. You'll have a lot of people that you'll recognize on her show. I can't wait to get into the sleeping bag with her. Let's go in and talk. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Into the sleeping bag. With Christine Blackburn. Hey, thanks for being here. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Meryl. It's oh, so nice I, to see you both. Yeah. I think you do a great, sho- a great job. I love the podcast. I love the beginning, the <laughs> crackling fire. It's just wonderful. You set a nice mood. Aww. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We really learned a lot from you. We saw you at the podcast movement a yes. few months ago. Aww. You were truly one of our favorite speakers. Thanks. And... Um, also, my memory of you was that we were all flying back on the same flight. There was a whole bunch of mm. us, and you were the like everyone is. You know, we're all hungover, we're all sad and despondent to go back home. And then there's you with like your cowboy hat on, yeah. oh to yeah, rock it out. And then I even loved. I told Bo I loved even more that then you got on the flight, and then I think you were about to like you didn't have your cowboy hat on, and then I got like I was like, oh, you're missing your hat. And I'm like, oh, this is my kind of person where you're like so happy that your hat is like on the floor and you're walking in. And so I was like, I already know that I like this the woman. Things and- that this woman remembers. You yeah. are so funny, because Meryl. Because you pick up little stuff about, like, I just, you know, I feel like you have a really good energy. Oh, Not to thanks. be so California about I it. I have always worn a cowboy hat, and it's just strictly about the sun for me. Really? Trying really? to avoid the sun. And I play tennis a lot, and I wear, like, a pretty wide brim visor. Oh, I was going to say, do you wear a cowboy hat? No, no, I went Playing tennis, that's but, a very specific look. But people always think it's like a fashion thing, and it's not. It's just, you know, do you want to wear a big, like a gardening hat? Like yeah. one of those sloshers, they're called? Or do you, you know, so I like a cowboy hat. Yeah, I always to wear like a beekeeper's hat. That would be great. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Why you not? Could, you could kind of shield your face a little bit, but like, yeah. like, please don't look at me, but like, I want to look at you. What about one of those golfer's hats? I think there's like an umbrella attached. Oh. That would be neat. I, is that a real thing that people actually wear? I mean, I've <laughs> seen it in like these novelty stores, yeah. but like, who buys that and then who wears it's that? It's a good like Father's Day present. Is that a, is that a grandpa's yeah. like, eh, sure, image or something? Shield then... yourself with this ridiculous <laughs> look. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys enjoy yourself at Podcast Movement? We really did. I felt like it was a weird time to go in general because mm-hmm. it yeah. was just right in the height of everything. Yeah. Um, I. We really did. I'm glad you guys went. That was that was. But we did see you, and obviously we got something from you, or we wouldn't be having you here today. So that's. I mean, I mean, I I have to say that right now, right? No, you don't. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) So, what did you feel like you got 
out of that experience? Well, I like to speak, you know, I like to speak publicly. I like to be on stage. I think I have a lot of knowledge about podcasting because I've been doing it. Uh, it's going on 12 years this July. Amazing. That's yeah. Amazing. But Come I am, now that I've done it five times, Podcast Movement, I think the next one's in Dallas and I think I'm going to let them offer me something mm-hmm. because as of now, I've been footing my own bill. Right. Oh. I went to Philadelphia, Nashville, Orlando, and I've always footed my own bill, my own hotel, my own everything. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of it, it's always been about 900 a trip for me. Mm-hmm. And I write it off, of course, but still, yeah. you know, like uh, I should be on the main stage. And my, yeah. my I'm always on like a, a breakout room. I'm bitching now. But the, 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 the thing it. is, is <laughs> the thing is, is that the people have a choice. There's like five different sessions they could catch. Right. I'd like to be on the main stage. Because when the people are on the main stage, there's only the one thing, and everybody goes. Yeah. Right. Rather than everybody, you know. And you've been so doing we'll it long see. enough that you've got the experience. I would think. You've got the knowledge. Hey, Bo, have you heard of the white male? <laughs> I don't even want to get into this. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Podcasting was invented by the white male, which are primarily nerds. You know, the nerds. Ner- white nerds started podcasting for real you know what i mean and I, I've, I've heard of like four different men being called the Podfather. who whoa who, who, whoa 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 I, i'm not saying this guy is a nerd okay jimmy pardo is one of the original oh, guys okay. and jackie okay. cation not those guys but i'm but 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 yeah okay sure those guys and i'm a nerd too mm-hmm. i love tech stuff i love you know so it is a nerdy thing and so when you go to these podcast conventions it's essentially the white man that's who's there yeah and, interesting and guess what they don't want to hear the lady folk <laughs> Sorry, Bo. <laughs> this, I just, I just felt like like an Indian chief all of a sudden. Like, the, the <laughs> you la- stole her land. The lady folk come, which is we so funny it. because there's maybe this is this is my annoying white woman side of me, but like I almost feel sometimes like podcasting is apologetically diverse in the way where we sometimes joke that if if we went up and pitch something, but we were like. I'm a disabled Indian woman and I'm like a, a queer, you know, whatever, yeah. like Asian non-binary, then yeah. we would like get the grants for whatever we're going for. For sure, for and sure. I feel like maybe it's the white male, it's the white CEO I know what that's you mean. then like pretending to be woke, but then they're almost, like I feel like in podcasting it's almost like beyond, Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say like overly supportive because of course, well, you finally, know, I don't know how to phrase it in a way is, that won't get me in trouble. It is more diverse finally and yeah. that is a good thing because of course podcasts are heard all over the world. Definitely. Yeah. So why would, somebody in you know Korea want to hear some sports knucklehead in you know in the United States talking about football they don't have football in any other place in the world exactly. I mean we're the only ones yeah. that even have it so it is a, it is a medium in which we definitely have to you know embrace every culture and every language but I know what you mean in yeah. terms of you know I'm a storyteller and a comedian and as a storyteller sometimes you know you go to these storytelling shows and it'll be like a contest and you'll tell the best story in the world I mean, people will be clapping on their feet, but if the person after you fell out of a tree, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I'm okay with that if we need that to happen for a while to like get us back to normal, you know, not back to normal, (laughs) but get us to to a place where it's less... I don't know where it is inclusive. Maybe yeah, maybe a happy medium would yeah. be good. I just say the word inclusive with companies if they if I want them to like me. I'm just like, oh, I like things that are inclusive. And then Spotify is like, yeah, okay. I, <laughs> I, do, I do think like it's, and, and again, I, this is not, we don't have to talk about this for a long time, but like I do feel like it's an unfortunate time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say like, it's an unfortunate time for a white men. Right, but no one cares about the but, bow of the but, world right but now. But here's the truth is like, 
I'm a creative person wanting to put stuff out there, wanting to have a voice mm-hmm. as well. And I haven't had that before now. Mm-hmm. Like as I am creating this work now, my artwork, the mm-hmm. podcast, things like that. And I'm now being told you're not supposed to have a voice right now, which I, I'm trying to be patient with and be yeah. like, I, I want there to be uh room for everyone. Have I you do. ever have you ever read the Malcolm Gladwell books? No. Well, he teaches that it all depends about when you're born. And mm. if you were born in the nineteen early 1900s, why, as a woman, you couldn't even vote. Sure. So guess what? You were born in 2000 and you're screwed for it. Or, yeah. or 1997 or whenever right. you were born. Wow. You, I mean, I unfortunately. I really appreciate all of that. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, you I were do... born in 1990. And guess what? One of the ramifications of that mm-hmm. is that you are living during a time where men have been finally called out. Yeah. So I I know you're talented. I'm looking at you. I've sure. seen what you've done and I'm so impressed. I really sure. am. However, it's just not time for white men to speak. Sure. You have your podcast. No, you do your thing. <laughs> yeah, and we're, yeah, yeah. No, you guys together are amazing and Campfire Shit Show will always, I mean, you guys are doing very well over 200 episodes, but I'm just saying, sure. if you want to get down to why people are angry, women are angry, it's because we in the past have gone through this and it wasn't just about voting. It was about, and it still is, equal pay and it's about rights. It's about so many things. So now men come along and do what you want, but please, for the love of God, try to frame it and understand it's because when you were born, it's not personal. And I, and I do understand that. I just want to be very clear. I'm not, I'm not screaming to the hilltops here going like, I want representation. I can I just have a voice? I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying like, I get it. I understand the situation. And I do understand that most of my life I've been very lucky because I have just, I didn't choose it, but I was born a white man and yeah. here we are. And I'm, I'm here for all the things that are going on. I'm also here to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to have the conversation with everybody, you know? Well, you I, are I one do. of the, one of the definite, um, um, people that stand out, you know, like on Twitter after Louis C.K. won the other day, there were no men calling him out, but mm-hmm. women, once again, all the women came out like, sure. Jesus Christ, look at this guy. Not one male comedian that I know came out. Nobody said a word yeah. because men just let it go. Yeah, It's so bizarre. I mean, you just have to, not you personally, Bo, but men <laughs> I, have I'm to have gonna... empathy. They have to put themselves in somebody else's situation and realize, oh, shit, man, these guys have been getting screwed for a long fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should do what I do, but shut the fuck up about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Amen. I can accept that. Thank you, Meryl. High five. Wait, wait. I want the high five too. too. Would you You're... include me or not? Nah. Oh. Now we need someone nah. from the fingerless community. We need someone with no fingers. Did I'm you fall out of a tree? I could. <laughs> I would do it. I'm kidding. As a man, I would do something as dumb as that. <laughs> You're very. I, I'm very, very lucky. Where I feel like all the men in my life are very supportive and very, um, like especially professionally too. Like I feel like everyone's like, "Yeah, go get it, girl." And As a comedian, but you're yeah. a comedian, aren't you? Yes, I have yet. I'm, but have I'm you still been to new. a? Co- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you feel okay? So that's a good question because oh you are a comedian. You are a storyteller. You are a creative. Uh, you're in that world, surrounded by. Uh, really you're in a field especially in comedy that is is grossly like against females for some reason yeah it's it's so I underestimated do, it's unbelievable it. so, like, so what's who your cares take? well isn't it so funny like if something makes you laugh it depends on what their genitals are if they're mm. making you laugh it's so yeah. strange i think men are just threatened by our truth and our word yeah 
Well, I think uh, one of the reasons when I started comedy, I took it through Lisa at Pretty Funny Women, and I specifically went to an all-woman class at first because I maybe just I didn't really think about consciously why I was doing that. I had just always heard of the that being a good class, but I think there was a part of me that was like, okay, let me go in something I know will be supportive, and that just mm-hmm. happens to be yeah. around women. And then going out into like the the main scene, I I don't know. I just feel like maybe I just filter more towards men that seem to be like Bo or you know I have a few really good friends that are are guys that oh, seem there's to like plenty of men that yeah, are I'm woke sure. yeah, of course yeah, yeah. of course yeah. there are but yeah. I'm sure I'll, I'll encounter it I almost just don't notice it because I'm probably like I don't know I just you know when I think about it it's like I think the dumbest thing a, a man can say in comedy is that there women aren't funny yeah because I'm just like that's like saying like men can't dance it's like okay maybe that guy can't dance, yeah. but like, are you telling me all men can't <laughs> fucking dance? Yeah. No, that's not true. Like, maybe you don't find that person funny because yeah. they don't connect to you, or you just don't like the idea of it. But you should really address that, like, I know. internally. And the funny women I know are all like super sharp. Like, they're almost sharper than a yeah. lot of the funniest men. Comedians in general are very yeah. sharp because they're seeing what everybody else is thinking, but can't articulate or don't know how to articulate. And then the comedian says it and you know, the tension is released. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know you're, you're new to comedy being born in 1995, um, <laughs> but like, how have you, what have you experienced in that world and, and how have you had to combat it? Do you feel like you have to work harder? Yeah. Well, no, I don't care about what anybody else is doing on either side of me, in front of me or behind me. I really don't. I do what I'm doing. I'm on my own path. You're a great date. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm on my own path. I don't I don't compare myself. It's you know, it's way too random. Just mentioning for people the shows that you have mentioned. So there's story worthy yeah my podcast podcast, and then story smash the live event yeah the storytelling game show it's really fun it's only an hour long very fast moving it's at the improv every month you can Mm -hmm. go to storysmashshow.com and you'll find out the dates the concept is really yeah can you explain that a little bit yeah it's really simple basically comedians come on stage i book four people they come on stage they spin a wheel whatever it lands on they tell a true one minute story so it could land on breaking up or drunk tank or school days or mom or hooking up and there's a big clock and it's counting down. <laughs> and if you go over your minute, then there's a big smashing sound and your story's over. We go right to the judges. So there's three judges sitting there. They're also all comedians, but kind of on a higher level. I try to get people that are, um, you know, the be- the best talent I can find in terms of accomplishments. Yeah. So I have like Blanca Patch, who is very 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 funny probably the funniest man in the world and I have uh, Danny Zucker who was the executive producer on Modern Family for all 11 years and then I have on Melissa Peterman often and Melissa is just a powerhouse of comedy (laughs) she's on all sorts of shows she was on Reba forever and now she's on 25 words or less and anyway so these judges after the story's over they critique the contestant the the mm. comedian and it's always in a very lighthearted way nobody gets mean mm-hmm. everybody laughs but it's a very hard thing to do yeah. tell a story yeah. in a minute especially when you don't know what story you're going to tell <gasps> it's very very difficult and the pressure is almost too much mm. and that's why only comedians can do it because i've tried with different audiences they can't do it mm. i thought it would have been a great skill for improv people 
And so I had it at I.O. West on Hollywood Boulevard. It's not there anymore, but I had it there for about a year up in their loft because I thought, oh, even in the main room, because I thought, yeah, these kids are going, because it's a school. It was a school for improv. And I thought, you know, this will be a great fit for them. And the improv I.O.S. gave me like um, tickets for their classes that they could win if they won, you know, if they won the show, they could get like free classes. Turns out improv people are the worst (laughs) people in the history of the world to tell a true story in a minute. Really? And why is that? Go, Bo. How? Why? Go. Probably because they need someone else to to bounce off of or they're long winded. They don't have a prompt. Uh, they don't know how to tell true stories. Uh, <laughs> They're on stage that's making so, it up. That's so weird. Now, if I say to you, you're in a bakery, you're in Russia, you don't have on shoes, go, Meryl, yeah. go. And you'd be like, and then you'd start your stupid thing that you have in the back of your then head I anyway. Bear claw and it ends up being an actual bear claw. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Actually, no, that's saying. a true story. No. It happened. I was in Russia last week by a bear claw. No, I was kidding. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Jesus. You know who? The psychopaths are the best at this. <laughs> yeah, at the I, would best say, this. I would say psychopaths. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> improv people turned out they could couldn't tell the truth they can't tell us a sync story and they don't know how to be funny in huh. the context that I was talking about in terms so anyway now it's back to comedians it's at the improv and comedians are the people that have the guts to get on a stage and just be ready to say anything so um, on the wheel 12 of the per- 12 of the topics are permanent and so they do know 12 topics ahead of time, mm. but then there's four other spaces that say audience. And sometimes mm. if they land on audience and the audience throws out suggestions, jelly beans, go. Oh, man. You know, hospital, yeah. go. Car accident, go. Oh. And so it's really a lot of tension, but the storytellers do a great job. I mean, they're all so funny. If, if they're able to laugh at themselves and, you know, right. it's just an extremely funny show and I sure hope to get it on television. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that sounds a like great, a... Yeah, it's a great concept. Thank you. So then what came first, that or Story Worthy? Story Worthy came first. Okay. I started that in 2010. Wow. Yeah. And then was that born from, were you already just having conversations like that already or like how did you I had um I did a lot of the moth storytelling slams And uh, that's when anybody can get up and tell a story. And that's the whole thing with a moth is anybody can tell a story. Well, it turns out not so much. (laughs) Uh, And so when you go to a moth, you're going to see 10 stories. And there's going to be three that stick out. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's very hard to do. And uh, also when you go to the moth, you know, you don't know your name is going to be called. And I had a child, I have a child, and to pay for a babysitter and Uh then pay for the moth to get in 15 bucks, 17 bucks, and then maybe not get called after I spent time working on a story that was to their their you know their subject Mm -hmm. it's just it's too many what ifs i have won the moth three times Mm -hmm. and i am on the radio program but i'm just saying like for the for it's it's more of a beginner thing it's for Mm -hmm. people that want a beginner storytelling and stuff like that but anyway i used to go to that and i loved it but often at the end of the five minutes the person says you know and that's how my parents were saved off the boat and then I was like, I, wait a minute, excuse me, one more thing. And I'm like chasing them out the door, uh, the, you know, the, the show's over and I'm going after them like, well, I have one more question. But that's not how the moth works. The moth is keep on rolling. And the next person comes to the stage and it just keeps on rolling. And so I thought, wait a minute, what if I combined good storytelling, right? And I have, I've been doing comedy a long, long time. So what if I combined comedians who tell the best stories because they understand brevity, uh-huh. What if I get them to tell me true stories and then I ask them questions about the story? Because it turns out you can learn a lot about somebody by what story they choose to tell 
Why did they choose to tell that story? And it must be a pretty good story because you're just coming on the one time. Yeah. And so turns out it's such an interesting way to meet somebody rather than going back to the long form interview. Where yeah. did you grow up? Where did you go to school? It's like yeah. if you're a fan of anybody, you already know those things. Sure. Right. So let's get to what they want to talk about. So in a way, it's a cop out for me as a podcaster to say to the guest, just bring me a topic. I'll be here, you know? Right. <laughs> because it's easier for me in a way. Although I do do a lot of uh, preparation before people come on my show because I want to know who I'm talking about. I want to know about them and I want them to be impressed by what I know about them. Mm. Yeah, I, I just listened to the one that you did with Angela. Was it Angela, Angela Johnson? Angela Johnson, yes. Yeah. Wow. And it's so cool too because I feel like you are at the stage where you have people like yourself where you could just mention, you're like, you're known for the nail salon, you're the nail bit. Yeah. And, we, and we as a, a culture know like yeah. where you have guests. How about that? Yeah, that because she's the so comedian successful. that went viral. Do uh, you know who that who she is? I don't. Uh, she has a, like a, a bit about, was it her, her Filipino mother? Nail salons. The nail yeah. salons. Yeah. Latino. Just, Me- Mexican. Mexican. Yeah. But she was trying out comedy and that was like mm. the first bit that she wrote and then that just happened it to just blow up, up and then, yeah. Because it was 2007 and so it just, that's when YouTube exploded and mm. she was the person that kind of exploded it. And the funniest thing, I talked to her about it on the show, is she's not even doing comedy. She's doing, she's doing a straight conversation that she heard in the nail salon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a conversation mm-hmm. it's so funny she's talented well uh i wanted to ask you with Storyworthy, uh did you have any moments where you did set it up for success you did all your research and it still went really poorly or has it always been smooth as butter pretty smooth man <laughs> honestly i'm the opposite of a shit show yeah. yeah i'm trying to think no i don't think it ever really went South, I had to remove a few shows, not a few, maybe two, but it were it was always for a legal reason, you know. Mm. Like oh, this one yeah. guy came on, talked about this woman who he had gone out with, and then she's then his her ex husband is using the podcast at, in court, saying, oh, "Listen, Lord. he said this." Like you know, they're going oh, back to goodness. transcripts, and so I pull it down for stuff like that because I don't want to. I don't want to. Sure. Yeah, I'm not piss anybody off. Right. Am I having a fever dream, or did you have Richard Marks on? Is he? He's I like your friend, him. right? Yeah, yeah. That's, he's a good guy. You're like single handedly responsible for I think making him cool again. Or for he's the a person. great guy. He's <laughs> he so talented. Really talented and cool. He's yeah. so down to earth, and he sells out stuff constantly. He was at, at the Grand Old Opry the other night, sold out again. Really? He's, he's, such he's a written talent. so That's many awesome. songs that we know that you don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Marks, you know. Right. Uh, right, wrote. right. How about with Stories Smash? I mean. Has there been moments where everything went to shit? Um, I had. I used to work with this guy. I let him help me like produce the show. It's always been my concept, my show. But I let this guy come on, and he was what you would call a suit. He he worked at this network I was at, Wondery actually, Wondery, which mm. is a pretty big network, and he worked there. And I will give him credit because he's the one who got me to get Story Smash back up on its feet. Mm-hmm. Because I had let it set for like four or five years and he got me to say, you know, let's do this again. And but when he was around the nights of the show, uh, he would just be wearing that suit in the back and, you know, coming in and just schmoozing. And he didn't help me. He just criticized me Mm. and would whisper in my ear, don't say that. You got to ask him more. No, you can't do that. And so I was like for like a year, I'm like like a robot. And I don't know why I put up with that. And then one day, I started getting really frustrated because he never put the show out to anybody. He never advertised it or anything. And I wrote him a letter. I'm like, okay, here's what I did this week for the show. What have you done? 
Hmm. And that's all I said. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of nice the way I said it even. I was like, I was just wondering, what have you done? And he wrote back, you know, Christine, I don't think our relationship is going the way that you had intended. <laughs> and I, and he like broke up with me. And that was a good thing. <laughs> and now that I have like free reign of my goddamn show again, it's been just great. Yeah. Cause I think you create a really inviting atmosphere. I with really people. try. I really try to be inclusive, believe uh, it or not. No, inclusive. but I do. I do. I just I, say it. Yeah. I mean, I mean it. But. No, I know, no, no. But, but, but I do in terms of, you know, my show is all about just laughing, just silliness. Nobody gets cut down. Nobody, you know, none of that. None of that. It's all positive. Up, 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 up. Someone that I heard that did really well was a uh, former guest and Campfire fan favorite, Don Brody. I heard She's that she did. so good yeah. on that show. Well, first of all, her presence is so strong. She would come bounding on the stage, sometimes <laughs> even go past the microphone and then come back, you know, like, whoa. You know, here I am. And so we love her. Within the first 10 seconds we see her, everybody's in love with her. And then she's just so smart. She's so smart. So she's won the show at least three or four times. And uh, I got to get her back on. I I appreciate the quality in people where... She she's just very friendly. I just did a show with her in Palm Springs, oh, and I neat. love people that also like love people. Where yeah. she came in, and it was people that were afraid, and they were traveling from somewhere else, and she drew them in and just Aww. made them feel good. I was uh, I was going to ask, do you have any tips for people either wanting to share their story, or if someone thinks they have a good story but you know they feel bashful about it? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I've taught storytelling many, many times, and the best thing you can do is just to flip on your iPhone, go to the voice memo. Everybody has it. I think even on the Androids, a voice memo thing, and just tell your story, whatever you want to say, into your phone by yourself. Just tell it. Just tell it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then listen back to it. Now it's getting tricky. Now it's getting hard because you ain't liking it. And so all by yourself, you could do that little trick and and do it three times, three times your story. And you're going to make that story better each time. And on the third time you do the story, now you're listening back through. This time you got to write it out. And I know it's so painful to write it out, but you got to write it out. Now you sit down and ask a friend, hey, will you listen to the story? And just sit at a table. Don't get up like you're performing. Just sit at a table. And you start telling that person, a friend of yours, the story. And when you see their eyes light up or they pick up their head and they look at you, that's when you should start the story. Mm. So everything you already said is probably not necessary. Huh. Start the story when they start being interested. I would never have a story. (laughs) Now, of course, we're taping that too, right? We're taping. Okay, fine. Now, you leave that friend go. God bless them. They did you a huge favor. Let them, let them live their life. <laughs> let them live their life. Now you go back and you listen through that tape again. And now you modify again. Uh. Every time you write a new story, in my opinion, it has to be done at least seven or eight times on paper mm-hmm. to flush it out because it is all about the edit. Less is more. Baby Jesus. <laughs> when you finish your story, if we want to die, it's not good. Yeah. Like if we want to slit our throats because you've been on stage for 15 minutes, then uh, you didn't do a good job. Right. It needs to be short. It needs to be in the moment. It needs to be important. Why did you choose that story? What is it for you? What is it? What made you think of that? And I often tell people, you know, obviously think of things when you think about, well, what story? What story? What story? Well, did you ever fall in love? Yes. Boom. Story. 
Did anybody ever break your heart, Bo? Yes. Boom. Besides me? <laughs> Boom. I That's mean, a story. It's being broken every second. Yeah. Right As a white male, yeah. he feels <laughs> constantly. No, but you know what I mean? So there, everybody has stories, but it really takes some time to get it good because it is about editing and just being shorter with your time. And when you're done, if they have a question like, and then what? You didn't, again, you did a good job because you want to want people to listen more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good answer. I, uh, I'm trying to even edit down when I, I tell someone something, and I'm like, then on Wednesday, and it's like we don't need to know it was Wednesday, mm-hmm. you know, even right. just the little things that we add in. But on the flip side, I kind of like the little details. It, yeah. it helps my brain know. Sure. Like last Wednesday, I picture that, and especially and- when you're doing a store, um, a period piece, of course. You know, when mm-hmm. I I was in the Peace Corps in 1997, and what so sticks out to me is the music I chose to take because when you're going to a, 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 an island in the South Pacific for two and a half years, and I can only take five cassettes, which is ten if they're double sided. I got to think out my music plan real well. And I thought of the Counting Crows mm-hmm. and I thought of Nancy Griffith and I thought of, you know. Um, that's Bo's uh, favorite band, by the way, the Counting Crows. Now he's, just, it, you, he's fallen in love that's again. That's adorable. I'm, I'm back in. Wednesday. I'm oh, back in, baby. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm just saying like, you know why? Because music time stamps a story. Yeah. So throw in the time stamps. Mm-hmm. It could be, I remember my mom, you know, it was 1972. Gas was only 49 cents, if you can imagine. And so these little time stamps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the music was blaring that stupid Madonna song, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, Holiday. Yeah. And that was playing constantly on the radio. And then who? somebody in the audience who was living in 1984, boy, they remember that. So it's time stamping, not just with music, but it yeah. could be with fashion. It could be with, you know. Back then, you know, men could rape a woman. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Now people seem to care. <laughs> right. Who knew? <sighs> Timestamp. Really, not a holiday really anymore. Really not my time. Yep. <laughs> really not my time. Um, I'm teasing Bo. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Uh, I wanted to ask you about editing, actually, yeah. because I feel like in my world of art uh, and storytelling, editing is so very important. Yeah. Do you edit yourself only? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that you, do, is there anybody that you look for? That will help you edit. I have. I used to pay a guy thirty bucks a show. Really? Yeah, hundred and twenty a month. And uh, I asked him to do a one other thing for me, not just edit the show, but if they could listen for the piece to pull out that I use mm. for the promo. And he said he couldn't do that unless it was like thirty five a thirty five oh. an episode, because then he'd have to listen yeah, just yeah. too much listening, and he didn't mm. want to do that. And I understood that, and that's kind of where we parted ways. And I started thinking to myself, well, I got to go back through and listen to that anyway, because I need that promo. Mm. So then I just started back doing it by myself. I really do wish I had somebody else though, because it's a it's a skill that many people have, mm. and I and I uh, would like to pass that along. I but find I, it to be so important in everything that I do is. to try to have someone and it might be different people for different things to help me edit or be like hey what do you think of this i wouldn't ask somebody who has no idea yeah. about the thing that i'm doing yeah but it's like is this working are Definitely. these colors working that kind of thing and i just find that like it's one thing i see a lot of artists and storytellers not do yeah is have someone who will kind of say this isn't working yeah. and then have them listen oh my god yeah. it's so important you're yeah. absolutely right i mean when you think about like i said people starting podcasts mm-hmm. you know that's why you sit or starting stories that's why you sit down and you ask somebody you know, talk listen to my story yeah because it's going to take some time to get that good and then it's the same with podcasting you like ask people about your logos do you like the logo what did you think and then most importantly 
don't compete with other podcasters for God's sakes, mm-hmm. you know, all ships rise and all that crap because <laughs> you want to know what is everybody in your field doing? What are they doing wrong? What do you like? What will you alter? What won't you do? Which logo stands out? Which logo doesn't? Who is going way too long? Who isn't? Who's talking more than three minutes before we actually hear the show? Or, you know, who's playing music for three minutes? Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do yeah. that? I don't yeah. want to. So you learn from other people, but they are your friends, of course course you know like dawn brody you're just saying mm-hmm. she was just on my show i was on her show and now we're on P- pod yeah. swaps you know yeah. stuff like that for sure i'm gonna be on don's show next week oh good yeah. oh good what's your oh your tiki bar right or, or no i'm i chose prohibition <gasps> oh good one because i felt like there's a lot of story in that yeah of course yeah. you want to drink you little colada no 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 <laughs> <Meryl>. <laughs> what about the inverse i think you are a master listener oh, which thanks. i think is a lost Art, I'm sorry. Skill. What? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> what tips? Because I, for, for you know, did you sharpen that skill as you went along, or how? Do, in your brain, how do you like retrain yourself? I feel like yeah. listening is almost like a meditation. It is over it's, and over. It can be really hard. Yeah, it really can to let let it breathe. I always tell people to play dead air chicken. I don't know if you've ever played dead air chicken, but when you just look at each other, and who's going to talk first? It's going to be Meryl. Uh, you did it. You did it. <laughs> oh, my God. Bo is so weak. It's Isn't that weak? It's going to be Meryl. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't leave a lot of... Sp- I, like, run over the chicken over and over, yeah. and that's something... That- I've done that, too. It's hard. I mean, I think that, like Bo said, when you're editing anyway, mm-hmm. just let it sit for a second and let them let them finish their thought. And I tell people, don't even do, like, a, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, 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 my gosh. Wow. Oh, <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, unless it's a laugh. I always think laughing is appropriate because everybody wants laughs if they're trying to make somebody laugh. You know? If somebody wrote a funny story or there's a funny line in a story, they really like you to laugh. Yeah, and we all have ways I listen back and hear myself say, Really? 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 And that's just I could hear my brain processing the information, but it's like training yourself not to process out loud all the time yeah. is tough. But I mean, I I just think I think you do a really great job of hearing what the person is trying to tell in their story and Mm -hmm. resonating it back to them. I try. I really do. And everybody I am so curious. I'm naturally curious. So I do, you know, I podcast in my closet Mm -hmm. and it's, uh, you know, so I'm very focused because I'm in a closet and there's nothing around me. And so it's a dark closet and I'm focused on that storyteller. And I really do try to hear them because I try to even picture some of the scenes they're creating because I do want to be on task when they're done talking. And sometimes if I get off track in my head, I think like, oh my God, they're going to be done talking and I didn't listen. Mm. And I'm the next one who's talking. So you better fucking listen. Or you hope that the last word they say is like sardines. And then you're like, yeah, those sardines. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a friend, another friend poolside the other day who was telling me a story and then I looked back at her and I was like, oh my God, I really just mentally went oh. to like when I should book a flight to Austin. And like, I, for like five minutes, Isn't I was like funny? in a different, yeah, it was almost it like, happens. It, I, I felt bad for both of us. Cause I was like, that's so disrespectful that she was like trusting me with talking for three minutes. And then <laughs> I was like, truly like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll book Southwest. Okay. But, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't do my due diligence. I had heard on one of your other episodes that 
uh, you know, you also are a great actress and do a lot of acting. And you mentioned that you were an extra on Melrose Place. Yeah, and we have funny? Some, an avid Melrose Place listener who, uh, that one was like, "I need to hear." Oh my about god, this. that's so funny! So you got to spill no the kidding. tea on that too. Well, it wasn't long ago, and I'm not an accomplished actress. I wish I, I was, but I mean, I've been in like four films and I've done over a hundred commercials. Yeah, that's that's not hard. I mean, not it's not that it's not hard, but that's <laughs> that out. is hard. That is hard. <laughs> but 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 yeah, believe me, I wish I was on sitcoms and other things like that but you can't be everything to everybody yeah and there are people out here who have studied acting like you don't even understand how fucking talented the actors and actresses are out here like it's beyond belief how talented people are and so you know I don't think I have that I I know I don't have that I mean there's a you know I don't know some people that are so natural on stage they make it seem like it's nothing but it is something because they got to that place to be that natural You know, so it's like it isn't I don't know. And then it's twisted because kids are actors, too. So how hard can it be? Yeah, I don't know. Acting is tricky. I love it. I do. But uh, what was the question? Oh, give us the Melrose Place. Oh, yeah. So I was was waiting for her to go and scene. No, no, sorry. (laughs) I went I went I was just uh, I was like 1998 and I went to Central Casting. It's on Flower Street in Burbank. You still go over there. You wait in a long goddamn line. (laughs) And then you fill up this paperwork. And you, uh, at that time, I remember you had to like give them different looks. Like here I am in a business suit. Here I am playing, a, you know, playing with a ball. Here I am with an instrument. It was so goofy. Like a, they called it a Z card, I think it was. Uh-huh. So silly. And uh, anyway, then you you would tell them your availability. I'm available to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or whatever. And then they call you the night before. Okay, you're needed as an extra. You're going to, Melrose Place was... God damn, I'm going to say out in the valley, Warner Brothers. You're going to Warner Brothers. You need to be here at 9 a.m. and please bring these items and, you know, and then you get the call. And then and then at the bottom it might say Melrose Place. It wouldn't be like, you're an extra on Melrose Place. It wasn't like you win an award. It was just, this is a day of work. Yeah. Who, what's ahead of you? And, you know, it was a form and then, you know, a very small print you know oh and it's Melrose Place but it wasn't like a big deal at, at that point I, I thought it was a big deal but not to them because again you're just an extra yeah just you're another a body. show that you're, you're just yeah. a body so I get there and I'm the only one backstage and it's late December or mid-December and this is the last show they're taping and then they're off for like six weeks right like the whole cast so there's like a flutter in the air of people kind of packing up to get the fuck out for vacation you know what I mean to get uh-huh. out for the the break and I remember um, I was the only no there was me and one other extra that's it and it was a coffee shop with uh, Christina Applegate no not Christina Applegate blonde um, uh, you know who Jenny Garth Jenny Garth, yeah, Jenny yeah. Garth was in with um, or, you know the boyfriend that she had which was the tall handsome guy mm-hmm. Luke, Perry. Jade, but, Luke, Luke Perry Luke Perry okay, yeah. oh, so sad he passed oh my god I know I forgot about that that's oh, another one god. that I'm like oh yeah he did so it was just those two cast members there nobody else was there and they're in a cafe I think it was the cafe they always used it was one of the main sets meaning that they didn't break it down all the time and rebuild it it was kind of a main set that was always there and I was in the back window and they would put shopping bags in my hand and I had a like a trench coat on and a hat pulled down and I just had to keep crossing back and forth in front of the window. <laughs> you know, like I'm on the street, you know. Yeah, just and then, shopping. Uh, yeah, they just shopping. More purpose, more. And, and I only had to be there like six hours, which was great because a lot of times extras have to be there 12 hours. I was only there like six hours and I left. I didn't meet the actors or anything. I didn't meet anybody, but like this one guy who told me where to stand in the dark and said, just walk over there and then walk back. 
walk over there and then walk back. But it was fun. I was really excited at the time because I'd never seen even sets like this. Yeah. And there was lots of snacks in the in the treat room, you know, where the where we had to where the holding bin was or the holding (laughs) holding pen. Yep. And there was snacks and it was great. That's really fun. Aw, thank your friend for asking. Did you did you uh, have that on tape? Did you have it taped? No, but I did see it. I remember seeing it, and I was like, "Damn, my legs! My legs! That's you. That's <laughs> yeah. me. That's me again." But yeah, that, that's silly. It's funny though. It yeah. is. I miss those types of shows where it was back in the day where then that would air and then I would call my friend on like the actual phone oh, and we would yeah. lay on the bed and talk about talk it. Talk about God, like the really? slower times. Isn't oh yeah, something. Yeah, I miss yeah. that. I was just thinking I'm so detail oriented that like I think about the extras in the background a lot of times and I'm like that person's walked down that street five times in the conversation they're having and I'm just like huh or I already saw that guy or yeah. one time there was this wall like a serial killer's wall or something and had all these strings and stuff and it was or as a police station something like that with all these missing people and I was like there are nine of the exact same missing posters on this wall (laughs) because clearly like the the set director was just like we can't we're not going to photoshop 300 of these we're going to replicate but I was like it was such a small detail but I was like wait a second hold on a second here and I I, like rewound it and I I do that all the time yeah 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 there's too many of that thing and I saw it already and that person's been in this four times how can they be in every single scene my daughter yeah my daughter is only 15 she's in ninth grade but she has she's in film school in ninth grade I know she's like already on her way to be a cinematographer and she's almost impossible to watch TV with now because she notices everything especially we watch like she loves the Brady Bunch for whatever (laughs) reason so Mm. at night we'll watch the Brady Bunch the last show before bed and the ink the ink Continuity is that the word? Yeah, is the inconsistent, in- inconsistent. Inconsistent. It's so funny how many crazy things they missed in the Brady Bunch, especially with actors and actresses and extras in the background. Oh my gosh! If you ever see the Brady Bunch, you guys, I know it's old school, but I'll tell you what, it is hilarious when they're, especially when they're at their school, and the kids walking back and forth. There's only like four extras, and they're the uh, same kids yeah. walking back and forth. Oh, that's funny! So funny. Or like if they're eating like a big oh. apple pie, and then they'll cut back, and it's and like it's a gone. peach pie with well, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it's full. It's like how did yeah. you get that? It's like right. it's like they keep throwing the pie back up, and it keeps growing. And yeah, that's why they say they don't like uh, actors and actresses smoking. It's too hard to keep that consistency uh, of smoking, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the ash and all that. Mm. Um, and another thing is when the boom is in the shot, you know, the boom mic comes in the shot and my daughter never misses it. Never. Yeah. Or just bad acting extras. You know, when act- extras in the background, like oh, making yeah. big movements or acting like, you know, or catching the camera's eye. It's like, oh, Or if no. they're trying not to look, like if it's Scarlett Johansson yeah. that's walking by and you yeah. can tell they're supposed to just be at a yeah. baseball game but everyone's like secretly <laughs> looking at her. I, but I would, if, yeah. yeah, if I was like around Luke Perry too, I'd be like So funny. <laughs> okay, so j- j- to jump back to story where has, is there an episode that really like of course you've done like more than 700 but is there one that was just so captivating to you that really uh, stands out of the bunch there's so many I know I know they're there really are I mean they, some of them make me laugh so hard I pee my pants laughing I mean people are so funny well I do have on comedians which is mm-hmm. helpful but um the ones that stand out there's just Jeez Louise. You know, last year I had Carol Baskin on the show. <gasps> you did? From Tiger King. And she stood out. You know why? She's, to- she's totally normal. Yeah. Mm. She's a wonderful person, very educated, super smart, doing a lot of good stuff. She was normal. I liked her. Okay, that's good because I, I feel like I don't know whether or not to trust her. I need to listen to your... 
No, I totally trust her. her. I trust her. I follow her on Facebook, and um, yeah, she does so much good work. Every morning, you can go on Facebook, and every morning they have video of them feeding tigers in this huge enclosure that she has in Tampa, Florida, this massive, massive tiger sanctuary she has. And every morning you can go on Facebook and just watch watch tigers being fed. It's kind of nice. It's just like ex-husband of the day and just feeding <laughs> Stop her arm it. or leg. Stop it. Anyway, she was really good. And I love, you know, Larry King. He sadly passed away. But I, Larry was on my show three or four times. Wow. I love having Larry because he's just he was a really good man. Very gentle, very giving, very generous. A really good man. I always love being with Richard Marks. And, um, you know, comedian-wise, like you just mentioned, Don Brody, mm-hmm. if she's on the show, that's going to be the easiest thing in the world mm-hmm. for me. Or if it's like Kathy Ladman or Wendy Liebman, you know, some of my friends, it's just going to be easy as heck, you know, which is nice. Do you, uh, when you mentioned Larry, do you, did you really look up to Larry as an interviewer? Oh, yeah. yeah. Larry is one of my inspirations because he was so good at what he did. Mm-hmm. He was so good at it. But he could be. Uh, because he was a naturally curious person, but also he never looked into his guests before he interviewed them, which is like what the opposite of what I do. Like he, yeah. but he had that he had that gravitas or you know whatever that star quality that he could get away with not knowing anything. And so when he interviewed, he was hearing it truly for the first time, and so was the audience. And so he was able to ask the questions that the audience was thinking, which is what I try to do at the end of every story on my show. Which is the opposite of what you get on like a late night show mm-hmm. which is I think why Larry King was became so popular everybody loves everybody yeah. loved him everybody yeah. I did love some of the like scenes where he's asking a question that honestly all of humanity knows yeah but he's asking it like he really doesn't yeah. know like he what didn't. the he's, <laughs> I, I, there's this famous clip of him talking to Seinfeld yeah about oh, how yeah. he's like oh so did, your show got canceled right Jerry and then Jerry's like canceled yeah. and he just goes, like, he goes he's like we, we went out on number one <laughs> and he starts going through all this he's like did you were you not alive during this time it was so yeah, hilarious that is so funny and then Larry wouldn't be mad about that he would take that as you know he was very yeah. funny he always says if he hadn't been a broadcaster he would have been a comedian wow so he really had a great sense of humor so I think about him and um Oh, gosh. You know, there's just so many talented people. You know, the comedians (laughs) are incredible. And I like people to look through my back catalog and either choose a topic of a story that they might be interested in or choose one of these great comedians or actors I've had on, like Kevin Nealon. Like, Mm -hmm. the nicest guy in the world. (laughs) We're we're dying laughing. No, it's fine. Why? Do you love Kevin? No, no, no. I met Kevin Kevin. in in real life, and and I think I made an ass of myself. He was a little drunk. Yeah, and so... There's just a story. It doesn't matter. We don't need to go. Well, into you know, it. one of our one of my friends, her name is Retta, and she's an actress, and she's famous, as it were. She's a celebrity. She's having this birthday party coming up this weekend, and and uh, she's had it for like maybe twelve years in a row, except for the pandemic, etc. So I said to my uh, my buddy Jim, I said, "Hey, man, are you going to Retta's party?" And he goes, "No, I didn't get an invite." I go, "You didn't?" And he goes, "No, I think it's because back in 2014, I told her that if her career didn't work out, she could always be a party planner." Oh. And I said, yeah, well, you're not going to be my guest either. So. Isn't that funny how we remember that that stuff? Well, I know Kevin Nealon doesn't remember me, but I know that I remember me in that moment. Oh, and shit. It just wasn't the, it, it was whatever. Yeah, You know when okay. you get too, do you, do you drink alcohol? I do. You do, you know, because you know, we've all been there where I think, not that I'm talking on behalf no, I of know you, what you mean. but I think he got excited and yeah, was like, easy. you need to come on my podcast. I didn't and say it like that. I want to be very clear. I did not say that. It's okay. But it, it does bring up another question. How do you go from zero to having people like Kevin Nealon, Larry King, and, 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 
and, and guests like that. Like yeah. if you're out there listening and you're like, I really want to start something. Clearly you created this thing and then word of mouth or like. Uh, no, just consistency mm -hmm. and always dropping at the same time. I will drop and doing what I said I will do. Mm. You know what I mean? So if you do what you say you will do and you do that long enough, then I think you manifest it into what you really want. I mean, that's been my goal. I don't I don't know what else to do. I do what I do best and I reach out to the people I'm interested in. I don't always score. I mean, like I asked Matthew McConaughey the other day and they, they turned me down. And I asked for Trevor Noah, they turned me down. So you, I get turned down too. Yeah. But I try to hit hit up people that um, have a book coming, have a book out, uh -huh. have a new song out, have right. a new whatever, because everybody needs to pitch. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just takes time. And most people, because I also teach podcasting when I have to. I try not to. But if I have to, uh, most people quit after the episode number seven, you know, because it's just too hard. So yeah. I've done this seven, like Dawn was 731, episode 731. So can you get through 100 episodes? Now, can you get through 200? Can you get through 300? Can you get through 400? Okay, go call Larry King. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, people... When you are podcasting and you ask for somebody to be on your show, you're asking for their time. Yeah. And even the people that are listening to your show, you're asking for their time. And sometimes people haven't even watched Ozark yet. Yeah. Yeah. So what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> even yeah. us. I won't podcast until we watch yeah. Ozark. I mean, no, I'm just saying like it's like there's just a lot of entertainment choices sure. these days. And we just have to be really respectful of people's time. Do what you said you would do. Yeah. And peace out. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. I just want to apologize for wasting your time today. I really Don't be silly. I mean, I'm so happy to be here. As a straight man, I'd like to say first and foremost <laughs> that I'm sorry. Let me tell you something, Bo. After we're done here recording, I'm going to rape you in the back. <gasps> oh, And yes. then let's talk about how you feel. <sighs> okay. I might even kick you a little when I walk away. You yes. Don't know, you don't know what I'm into. <laughs> Kevin Nealon's gonna watch. Yeah. That would, Bo would like truly She's gonna like FaceTime Kevin Nealon. Yeah. That while she. <laughs> there's, there's a whale somewhere in it. Yeah. She'll drop you into a tank afterwards. There's a whale. <laughs> She's gonna rape me on the back of a whale while Kevin Nealon watches. <laughs> <laughs> this is I, honestly this is a fever dream for me. Oh you my god. You crack me up. You guys are so uh, funny. You're doing a great job. Uh, Wonderful. Tell us where people can hear all of the shit that you're doing. <laughs> we want people to go follow you and see you and come see one of your shows. That's yes. so nice you. Share with us. You just go to storyworthypodcast.com. That's it. That's it. That's uh, that's ground. That's ground control. Storyworthypodcast.com. And you're on Instagram too. I'm everywhere. Yep, everywhere. Storyworthy. Okay. But you know you can't give people too many directions or they'll get a little confused. confused. Is yeah. your show still on? Is it Podcast One? Is yes, I'm still with Podcast One, the cool. network. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you, we guys. You. A pleasure. Yes. Mm. Yay. Man, uh, it's always good to be put in your place. And Christine wanted to put She me put there. you in a place. I think you want to stay in that place. <sighs> She's so cool. No, she's awesome. She also, she has a very like Kate Hudson vibe where she did mm. the episode like perched on a chair with, and she was barefoot. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. so cool. No, yeah. Uh, really easy to talk to, laughing the whole time, laughing after. Just, I, I loved just her presence is really exciting. Yeah. She's a, a sweet. So yeah, check out 
uh, story smash. I was just going to say, hopefully we're going to go to the one in June. Yeah. And then Story Worthy has... If you're in L.A., check out Story Smash. And don't forget her podcast. Story Worthy. You have yeah. uh, 730 episodes to catch up on. No big deal, though. Gets to listening. All we'll right. S- we'll see you next time. Thank you. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was composed and sang by your friendly camp director, me, PB&J. If you've got a question or you want to be the next camper of the week, email us at campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Well, kids, it's time to pack up the camp and put out the fire. But don't you worry. We'll see you soon on another episode of the Campfire Shit Show. Sleep tight.